Welcome to episode three of Holsh Fidelity. I'm Holsh and tonight we are all things in excess. An Australian musical force that transcended borders and genres, led by the magnetic frontman Michael Hutchins, their signature blend of rock, new wave and funk delivered irresistible hooks and captivating melodies that defined an era. In excess's chart-topping hits like Need You Tonight, New Sensation and Never Tear Us Apart remain timeless classics, while their 1987 album Kick is their undisputed magnum opus. With their electrifying live performances and unique sound, In Excess continues to be celebrated as a timeless icon of rock and pop music. Already back for his second episode of Holst Fidelity, I welcome Ryan Tickbuckalade. Oh, yeah, I'm a fan favourite. They demanded I come back. All ten of them. All ten, yeah. <laughs> 10,000. Uh, no, I'm very excited to be back. I had such a good time last time and I couldn't wait to be back and here I am in the hot seat straight up. <laughs> nah, well, we decided to go with NXS and, I don't know, would you put it on par with Led Zeppelin for your love of NXS? It's a it's a different beast altogether, really, isn't it? But but yeah, probably I would. You know, you you mentioned it in the first episode where when you think Led Zeppelin, you think of me. I hope the same thing with In Excess. That's the, you know, you think of In Excess. That's who who you kind of think of. And I yeah. suppose if you think about In Excess as a band, time wise, I'm thirty eight. You know, I'm kind of getting a bit more modern anyway than I was with Led Zeppelin. So it's good to be good to be discussing music that. Isn't sixty years old? It's only forty years old. So we're up with the times. But seriously, why do you love In Excess so much? Because they're very, like you said, they are a different beast to Led Zeppelin. So what's drawn you in with these guys? Uh, I think this comes about purely from mum and dad. I reckon, like around that time. So I'm born in '85. Kick comes out in '87. By the time I'm even thinking about listening to music, it's probably fully entrenched in my brain just through osmosis, I would have thought. Mm. One of my early childhood memories, I can remember Dad had a uh, old Land Cruiser single cab ute and driving out to his workplace, which he was a harvester operator, so it was just a, a mango tree pretty much where they kept the harvester. But sitting in the footwheel of, footwheel of that Land Cruiser, listening to kick, you know, I've got a clear memory in my head of devil inside. It's a... There was something scary about that as a kid. You know, hearing the word sex in Mediate was, even though I knew nothing about it, I knew that that was taboo or whatever it was at my age to be even hearing that word. So uh, I think that's where it kind of comes from. And similarly to Led Zeppelin, it was just one of those things where once I grabbed a hold of it, I just went full all the way into it. Yeah, talking about in excess in those younger years, and I know I've said in one of the, the first two podcasts about how rage influenced me so much, and when Led Zeppelin was along, it, it wasn't on rage, so that's why it, it, <clears> I wasn't introduced to Led Zepp till much later in my life. But in excess, complete opposite, they were <clears> humming at that time. Yeah. Even looking now at how many singles they released, like an extraordinary, I think it was like 131 different singles. So, you know, they yeah. really churned out in the, in the period that they were around. They were knocking them out of the ballpark 
consistently year after year. And for me, around Rage at that time and radio, they were probably close to the most played band up there with Guns N' Roses maybe. So You make a really good point there about Rage being the, the catalyst because they were a band that took music videos very seriously. They were big on getting budding movie makers in to do their film clips. A lot of these filmmakers went on to bigger and better things but got their start doing film clips. And and they were very much at the at the forefront of that. You know, they spotted MTV as being something that was blowing up. They put a lot of effort into it as very arty. For their album, Full Moon, Dirty Hearts, they got basically each song had a film clip to it. So even if it was a single or, or otherwise. But, yeah, they got a lot of all young filmmakers to go, all right, we're a band with a bit of gravitar, make a film clip for us. So wow. it's interesting watching some of those. You know, it's not their greatest albums by, by any means, but there's a little quirk there, I suppose, of them yeah. getting something interesting going. So... In excess of music, how would you mm. describe it? You know, if you were going to say to someone that never heard In Excess before, how would you describe their music? It's probably like a, uh, it, well, it's it's pop, pure and simple. It's pop, it's rock, it's funk, it's groovy. It's it's just a mishmash of all these elements. And they kind of describe themselves as being a bit definable as well. So they were very much, you know, they started out really kind of, post-punk, new wavy, you know, very mm. rock-centric. But then as as they matured, their sound matured, and it's very clear on those early albums that the production wasn't quite there. So you'll hear that with a couple of my songs that I picked today from those earlier albums that, yeah, they sound very basic because this is the early 80s and things were still very basic as far as production was concerned. As they kind of got bigger, their sound changed as well with it and yeah if you listen to their whole their whole catalogue across the board it's almost a journey in itself because they started this like i said post-punk kind of world industrial kind of feeling you know those drums really hit hard in those early songs the bass and the drums really drive them but then yeah once you get a bit more polish onto them they turn into a different act almost so there's still those elements of rock in there but yeah very pop based Towards the end, and then their sound changes once again throughout the nineties, where I think they tried to kind of keep keep up with trends a little too much. They went away a bit from what was working well for them, particularly when you got to Full Moon, Dirty Hearts. They took a bit of a, a, a side step at that point. I think trying to keep up mm. rather than and didn't Michael Hutchins also had some solo projects sort of in the latter part he as did, well yeah, that had a very different sound. Yeah, well, he released a solo album I think around ninety five or something like that and he also went off to do a movie dogs in space i think it was cool i never saw it but yeah around that time i don't know this happens with most bands where they kind of get to a point and you've got this clear out and out superstar and everyone's probably in his ear about you could be you could be bigger than these guys or or whatever it might be like harry styles do one direction but uh, (laughs) yeah i'm comparing him i love harry he's great (laughs) if you want to go down that path of you know of talking about Michael Hutchins, he was the ultimate front man, you know. I mean, I'm not saying he's on his own in that regard, but mm. if you think of it, how many front men have they, there been since that point in time that probably had that pure sex appeal, the voice to match, the charisma, the stage presence, all of those things, the boxes that he ticked. It was almost like he was one of the last great front men. So who influenced these guys? 
I haven't really heard anything on this, but just before you actually unveil it, I, I do notice a bit mm. of like punk in there. And in those early albums, I thought there was a, quite a bit of scar sound as well. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, and I'll get yeah. to that a bit later on, but like well, who were the sort of primary influences? Reading their autobiography, that they talk a lot about Steely Dan, Pink Floyd, Creedence Clearwater Revival, the Doobie Brothers, as in these are the bands that they are listening to. But as far as what they say are, are things that influence them, like I said, it's it's hard once they got going to really pin down influences in that real hit-making era because it was almost like they were doing their own thing, which a lot of bands around that time were doing. It's not like they fit directly into one genre, but... Um, like you said early on, The Clash, Talking Heads, The Cure. So, you know, you're in that kind of punkish world there. Then they're kind of getting into a lot of James Brown. That That's where that funk and R&B oh, comes yeah. into it. The Stones, The Doors, those kind of bands are influencing the rock element to it. The Doors, um, while like, you're there, yeah. like Jim Morrison. Yeah. His likeness to Michael yeah. Hutchins. Amazing. I always think of Michael Hutchins as sort of a modern-day Jim Morrison. Because he was a yeah. sexy mofo too. And their music yes, was, absolutely. you know, along those lines. So, okay, well, a little tweak from the first two episodes where mm-hmm. my guest has always started the five and, and then we've finished with my number one. I've decided that I'm going to go first from now on because the guest is the the knowledgeable one, the one that can really contribute some... Um, interesting thoughts and on these tracks so i feel like it should be there they're the the zenith of the of the show with their number one so i'm going to kick off i really appreciate i really appreciate you not bringing up the fact that we kicked up a storm about this behind the scenes (laughs) as well that we demanded that we're not coming on this anymore unless we get to go headline we want to headline this yeah that's why that's why you're the only person i can get on the show Hopefully, hopefully, when they all hear this episode, they'll, they'll be back on yeah. board. All right. Well, Holshi, number five, what do you got for us? Number five. Okay, number five is Need You Tonight. So, to me, I'm going to state it straight away. I think this is their best track. I think it's their most important track. I think it's an essential track. Its sound is... I don't know. How, how would you word it? It's, a, it's everything about them. It's the essence of In Excess. It's got... It's got everything you need in a track to to show you what in excess mm. is. I think it's one of the best examples of a pop track that has that element of funk in it. It's sexy yep. as hell. It's groovy. Michael Hutchins, he's basically just seducing you with this song. Yeah, you know, one on one. It feels it feels like he's singing to not you as a man, <laughs> but he he has that thing of and people have said it before. He makes it makes it feel like he's singing directly. To you. Yeah, yeah. You know, that whisper at the start, come over here, you're like, okay, I guess I'll do that. I don't really want to, but yeah, yeah, I'm in. (laughs) One of the the big reasons I love this song so much was I was at Splendor in the Grass and a friend, he's going, you've got to come and listen to this band, Client Liaison. So Mm -hmm. at that stage, I I had never listened to Client Liaison and we went to the, the tent and we were watching them and the crowd was buzzing it was really it's a high spirited sort of sound to their set and halfway through one of their their bigger songs they it transferred into need you tonight full-blown need Mm -hmm. you tonight and the entire tent was heaving and 
just yeah. just the the way that that song ignited the people in that tent that day. The rest of the set, there was still six or seven songs left. It just didn't stop, didn't die down. The fire was lit by Need You Tonight. But, yeah, look, I just think this is that song that gives Michael Hutchins the most presence in any of their their songs. It's like, Michael Hutchins, you are a god almost in this song. I actually think this song as well brings forward almost every member of the band at some point. It's it's almost like everyone gets not a solo as such, but it, they all get a little turn at the front almost. You know, the drum holds pretty heavily. There's a bass bit in there that really comes forward. Obviously, Michael has his opportunity throughout the whole song to do the same, but that riff that carries on through it is just really, really cool as well. So, yeah, great mm. song. And I, I agree with you. It is by far their best song. It's yeah. not, it doesn't mean it's my favourite song, but yeah, it is their best song. Actually, one other thing before we move on to your number five is I just one special thing with that song is how much it goes up a notch when you hear Michael Hutchins singing, I'm lonely. I'm lonely. Oh, yeah. It's just beautiful. It's just like he's just ravenous when he sings that. But I think we'll move on. Okay, mate. So what's your number five? If I'm a betting man and I'm not, but I will bet that none of the listeners have heard this song before. It is from their second album, 1982's Underneath the Colours, and the song is Night of Rebellion. Now, when you listen to this song, there will be, I reckon a lot of people will hear it and go, that's trash, I don't like it. It's very early doors in excess, but I reckon it's just an absolute bop, this song. There's there's a bit at the end that always grabs me. There's a few songs I know that are similar in vain to this. One is a song I know you don't particularly like. It's uh, Hoops by the Rubens. There's <laughs> there's a band called Red Riders and they have a song, Ordinary. They have a similar thing in, the, in that song as well. And it is this little vocal affliction at the very end of the song where he's singing reaches me that like it's a repetitive lyric that he keeps going on but he changes the, the affliction right at the very end goes back to the normal pronunciation of it or whatever you call it and then again at the end it just kind of flips up and every time i hear it i just want to hear it again and i'm happy to listen to the whole song again <laughs> to get to that bit at the end there's just something about that style of singing that really really grabs me it's a really really bizarre song but the bass 
really drives the song as well. Yeah, I think it's it's just a cool. I think, like you said, it's got a bit of that scar kind of influence in there as well. But yeah, it doesn't sound like a five piece band either. It sounds so simplistic. I can't believe that there would be five people playing on this. I can almost just hear a drum, a bass, and probably a rhythm guitar in there as well. So maybe when they performed it live, someone went off have a few durries or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely uh, yeah, heard some some slight scar influences through it. When you say a lot of people out there have probably never heard it, I reckon even if they had heard it, I don't know if they would even... <laughs> up, like, honestly, I was listening to it just prior to the podcast because we, we did talk together. Yeah. And I don't think I would be able to recognise it as in excess because it doesn't... Even, yeah. even Michael Hutchinson's voice in this sounds so different. So it's a great track. I I really enjoyed it. It's an album track, pure and simple, but a lot of their, you know, this is also second album. A lot of their songs are album tracks. You know, there's almost no singles at that point in time. Anyway, this, I think this was released as a, as a single, maybe, or as a B-side on a single. No, it's a Um, single. If you talk, if if you look on in excess forums, they will say that it's almost, People don't believe that it was a single because no one's ever seen it. But yeah, if yeah, if you do look for it, I think it does exist in some capacity. Whether anyone's still got a copy of it or not is yeah. Well, question. I'll, earlier today, I was looking through Discogs, which is a vinyl record where people can put their collections in. You can buy used records, etc., from people around the world. Mm-hmm. Night, Night of Rebellion is the only one that just had the the the, the circle, the big gap in the circle, and just. There's yeah. no cover. Do you remember way back when it was just like you just get the outside paper and then in the, the middle circle part you could just read? Oh, it. yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That, that was the only single that d- didn't get itself a cover. <laughs> and so it just maybe, had to fight. Maybe, the, maybe that tells you what the band thought of it as well. But, I, I man, it's just a song that I love. Was yeah. produced, that, that whole album was produced by Richard Clapton as well. Yeah. He was quite big in like the 70s. I think. Yeah. Well, he's Girl, Girls on the Avenue. That's Richard oh, Clapton, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was huge. Anything else with Night of Rebellion? Yeah. No, not really. I can just give it a go. It's it's about three minutes long. It's a nice little nice little jaunt. It's, um, yeah, I reckon it's a cool song. And if you don't like it, I don't care. So number four, number four, for me, now th- we just spoke about Night of Rebellion not sounding mm. like in excess. Yeah. I think my number four might, might be in that same category. Mm. So my number four is a song I've only discovered since we decided to do the top five and I, I 
had a really good listen to all the albums. And this mm. one grabbed me straight away because it is very different. And it's called Johnson's Aeroplane. So oh, yes. it's off the 1984 album, The Swing, which I think is a mm-hmm. really underrated album, to be fair. Dude, it is one of the best albums. Yeah, I, I was just really surprised when I played it through how much I enjoyed it from, from start to finish. So Johnson's Aeroplane sounds and feels like a Depeche Mode song. It's sort of, it's, it's dark, it's delicate, it's ethereal. It's almost orchestral. It has, well, it literally is at the start. Yeah, well, very few songs of In Excess is like that in that the strings almost push the melody the whole way through this song. And, yep. you know, and strings, I think Chippy last week said if it's if it's got cowbell and hand claps, I'm in. Well, I'm the same with <laughs> yeah. strings. Like, if you, yeah. you know, if they're brought into a rock song and blended in, in, a, in a perfect way, it really captures me and... So this song is, and it's whilst it's it sounds very melancholy, very dark. It's actually when you dig into what it's about, it's it's actually uh, a song about hope, and it's like a, a tribute to the farmers out there during mm. uh, Australian farmers during the drought. I feel like this this song, and particularly this album as well. This is a very Australian album. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so, there's a song on there, Melting in the Sun, which I just think is one of the most Australian-sounding songs. Then you get to something like Johnson's Aeroplane, which, you know, talks about farmers. It talks about, yeah, like I said, droughts and other bits and pieces. This has a really vivid Australiana kind of sound. Not not sound to it, but the lyrical content, I think, is, is very Australian. And I think that comes about because they just used to, literally travel the country at this time you know they hadn't broken through in america at this point so it was all heavy australian touring mm. and they would have seen a shitload of the country during this time as well so yeah this this song for me like it's um it's a very bass driven song uh right from the get-go as well and it's got a really really cool sax piece by kirk and i i, I we haven't really spoken about it in this episode much yet but the sax is a pretty critical part of In Excess, you know what I mean? When I think of In yep. Excess, I actually, like, sax is a prominent instrument in in their their equation. Here's, here's a question for you. I would say that something like the saxophone should really date music. You know, it's not... It's it's not the sexiest or the coolest of instruments, and I just reckon it really should date songs heavily. Whereas, like you said, when you listen to a lot of in excess, there's a lot of sax in there, and it doesn't feel like it's corny or oh, kitsch no. or anything like that. It just sounds right. Yeah. Oh. And I don't know. I'm obviously listening to it with, you know, I love the band, so maybe I'm, you know, rose coloured ears, <laughs> if you will, where I don't notice it, but. Yeah, I still feel like a lot of their music sounds very fresh. Yeah, look, I I kind of disagree with the the sax call. I think it is a sexy instrument, and even in today's music, the bands that do dare to use the brass instruments, the mm. horns and and so forth. Horns are big now, aren't they? Yeah, they are, and they're effective, and they're bold, and they they're, they're a statement instrument. And you know that's what the sax is with it's Kirk 
Pengelly, is it? That's he's the yeah, sax yeah, yeah. dude. The, he's the, the yep. guy with the little French mustache and the. You, you the said gay Kirk, dude. right? Not Kurt. Kurt. You didn't yeah, say Kurt. Kurt. Kirk. Kirk. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it's a great choice, and uh, definitely give it a full listen. Yeah. Um, because yeah, it's a fantastic song. Listen to the whole album too. Number four for Tick. Hit me, mate. Okay, well, well, I've just waxed lyrical about the swing and my number four is also from the swing. I've gone with a song that appears two songs before Johnson's Aeroplane. It's Dancing on the Jetty. It's almost like a sister song to <laughs> Johnson's Aeroplane in a way. The first 30 seconds is, is orchestral again and then it kind of comes in really... It's a funky, weird kind of sound at the start. And I'm describing a lot of their early music as weird, but it's almost undefinable what it's like. You know, there's these odd sounds happening from synths and other bits and pieces. It's a cool song. They used to, I think Michael Hutchins, the lyric, Watch the World Argue, he actually wears in the Listen Like Thieves film clip, I think it might be. So it was a kind of bit of a a mantra for them as well. So I think it's a very political song when you actually look into the lyrics. It's, it seems to be about the apathy of, you know, dancing on the jetty so your feet stay dry while the world is arguing it. Uh, it's like that idea of, well, stay. You, it's all well and good that you can stay safe and, and be on your jetty and muck around and have a bit of fun, but there's shit going on in the world, so I don't know if it's one of those head-in-the-sands thing. The actual lyrics of it, I mean, this song was in 1984, so what are we, 39 years removed from it. And the lyrics are still pretty apt now. Like one of the um, verses is, blood is upon the steps 2,000 years ago. Pray like hell, then we go to fight another war in the holy land. So, mm. <laughs> you know, you look at Palestine right now, That's that lyrics works there. You know, the watch the world argue works as well. And it's it's very easy to kind of sit back in your own little bubble and think, shit, the world's pretty good, but... So many different things are happening all over. For me, when you spoke about that, mm. you know, the first 30 or so seconds of it has, does have that orchestral sound. And then when that guitar kicks in, sort of that, it's almost like a bit twangy sort of, mm. it reminded me of one of their singles. Like when the yeah. guitar comes in, I'm like, oh, no, this, I know this song. It's one of the singles. <laughs> but it, it, it's got some of those signature moves with it. But then as it goes on, I'm like, oh, no, 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 it's not what I was thinking. So... 
I'm not sure what it reminded me of, but the guitar work there, it felt like some of the first use of the guitar style that, that kept growing. I think I know what you mean. It's, it's, it's kind of jiggly or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. It's short, sharp riffs that, that repeat a lot. That's the kind of signature. But, you know, when you talk about signatures, <laughs> this song has a sax yeah. solo as well. It's got catchy melody, that simple drum beat that drives a lot of these songs along. You know, it's all well and good to look at In Excess as Michael Hutchins, but then they're a tight band as well. Like, mm. you know, I reckon... I reckon I have, until I've taken on this project of listening back to their songs uh, really intently, I reckon I've underrated how important Gary Gary Beers was to the whole operation because there's so many songs in their repertoire that are just driven by a really good bass line the whole way through. And I think John Farris as well on the drums really kind of has, has a clean drumming style. It's, it mm. just hits really, really tightly, I suppose. But, yeah, I reckon this song's fantastic and it's an earworm and I reckon I can listen to it daily for the rest of my life. My favourite part of this song, and it's very different to a traditional song structure because you you, you find with most songs and even, my, well, 99% of In Excess's songs, the chorus is a heightened sound. You know, it, it's, yeah. it's building up and then it sort of explodes in the chorus. Whereas this one, it almost calms the song when it gets into yeah. the chorus, when he starts saying, you know, the watch the world... And I yeah. think it's just incredible. That that's my favourite part. When it transitions into that watch the world, it's it's different each time. But You're right. It is it is it's very it's a very high energy song and the chorus just peels back into Yeah. Almost just a melodic little ditty in the middle of it. Yeah. It's still so catchy though, but but it yeah, it almost yeah, it takes it down a notch but keeps keeps the grooves happening and I think that's what really like drew me into the song because when I heard those guitars, I was like, "Oh man, this sounds like one of their other singles." Like I said, but then when they went into the chorus, I'm like, "Oh wow, this is this yeah. has got me now." And it's it's you know you can look at this song as going, "Oh, you know, it's got the elements of single," but once they got big, a lot of these songs just kind of 
disappeared and never really had their chance to to shine, yeah. which is a bit of a shame, really, because yeah, there's so much gold in these early albums as well. Yeah, lucky Hulse Fidelity came and um, oh, you, you started betcha. shining a light. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll move on to our number threes. Number three. Okay, everyone, <laughs> we're moving into number three. And I'll go first, just like the rest of the show, okay, Tick? You betcha. <laughs> okay, so my number three is the second song off the album X from 1990. It's called Disappear. Now, I love this song because mm. it is pure pop. You know, I, I know I appreciate you saying at the beginning that, you know, they are a pop band, but this one mm. has, you know, a real perfect fusion of pop and rock and almost leans a little bit further to the pop side of things at, at different parts of it. It's got that real sweet do-do-do. I, I, I can't even yeah. think of it off the top of my head. <laughs> And then it rocks out in the chorus, which is obviously the complete opposite to Dancing on the Jetty. So this this song is apparently about Michael Hutchins used to get a lot of anxiety thinking mm. about what's going on at the time. And, you know, like all bands, they had a lot of issues. And his problems at this time seem to always be, you know, A-OK when he's with his girl. And it's, mm. it's funny, but at the time that he was recording this and wrote this and all the rest of it, he was dating... Kylie Minogue. Yeah, I was going to say, it was either Minogue or Helena Christensen around that time. Oh, but, that's right. He dated yeah. Helena Christensen. He's poor, <laughs> poor bastard. It's funny. My top three are all very simple, structured songs as far as yep. excess. And this one, you know, has a real stripped down synth bass at the start, which almost sort of reminds me of their older works, pre-kick. Mm-hmm. I love a good pop song. And it's a beautiful song. The lyrics aren't, you know, groundbreaking by any means, but his voice is just so perfect in this song, I think. And like you said, the doo-doo-doos are really nice. It's a, it's another, adds another string to the bow, as it were. But, yeah, I think the, the lyrics are actually really nice, nicely sung. So uh, that's what stands out to me in this song. Okay. Well, here it is before we roll into ticks number three. Disappear. Okay, moving on. Mm. Tick. Your we're, number three. We're in the same order as before. Same. Okay, my number three. Okay, I've got it. I'm following now the new format. 
All right, my number three is a song we have already spoken about. That song is Need You Tonight. So we've obviously, we already did a bit of a dive into it before, but I think, yeah, like I said, it, it's just a sexy song. Like that that whisper of come over here, It's it would have got some panties wet in its time, I think, just that alone. You know, it's it's just purely sexy. It's, it's mm. them at their absolute peak. And like I mentioned, the, the songwriting at that time, was just epic of being able to punch out these hits. Like when we started the this process of picking our top fives, I could hand on heart sit here and say I could pick five songs from Kick and be absolutely comfortable with it. And if I was going to do that, I would go Need You Tonight, The Loved One, Never Tear Us Apart, Devil Inside, Guns in the Sky, right? So you're talking five really, really good songs and I'm then leaving off... <laughs> So these are the songs that wouldn't be in that top five. You'd have Mystify, oh. Mediate, Kick, and even New Sensation, which is not one of my favourite songs of theirs. Mm, but, but a like bona fide hit. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. You could pick another four and still, like, if I picked those four, you wouldn't look at me and go, you're crazy. You know, it's the album itself is just epic. I mean, mm. there are a few tracks at the end that aren't, Tip top. Calling All Nations is a good song. Tiny Daggers could have been left off. I'm a big um, fan of Mystify. Yeah. Um, I actually listened yeah. to their film clip today and it's really cool how they start. It's them sort of writing the tune and, and Michael Hutchins singing it. Yeah, and then, and then the it transitioned there. into like the official recording. Yeah, the the, boom. yeah. And then it starts <laughs> the, the actual song. Yeah, they're on the piano. It's really cool. But th- this is another element of this song as well is the film clip is really mm. um it's done very well. And and this is what I was speaking about before is this song just sounds so fresh today. You know, there is nothing about this that feels dated. And I've said this to you for a few years now. Of mm. A lot of In Excess songs still feel pretty fresh mm. now. And this is the top of the tree, I reckon. It, it just hits today as well as it did back in 1987 when it first came out. And my once again, my kids love it, you know, and I think the kids generally love those the sim- simple songs that, well, it's not a simple song, but the songs that are just bona fide earworms for, forevermore, like this will come on and you'll get a little yes. Yeah. You know, oh, they, yes, we get to. Do they yeah. cut some mad shapes? <laughs> no, nah, we usually listen in the car, but they do cut some mad shapes <laughs> and you put some, something on that, that really hits with them. But, um yeah, I'm so happy with, with this being in there. And like we said, it is their best song, and that's why it just had to be in there for me as well. Number two. 1981. We're going back to their second album, which I know you've already had yep. one song from that. This is the mm-hmm. album opener. It, it, would, it would be a real shame if uh, Tick and Holsh episode didn't have at least one album opener <laughs> in there. And this one is called Stay Young. And I think this was their second single ever because I think they only had the one single on their first album and then Stay Young. This is so distinctively 80s and I love my 80s. There's there's the synth in it, the bass kicks in right from the beginning. This song in particular is not what you'd call an out-and-out rocker. It's not your kick uh, where, you know, it's just banging it out. It's more a mid. It's almost like shoegazing music or something like that. Well, I wouldn't go as far know, as shoegazing, but I don't know. That's <laughs> maybe parts of it. Parts of it. when you say that, it's funny you say that because my favorite 
aspect of the song. It's got this real warped synth sound through it as it transitions into and then through the chorus. It kind of sounds like an alien string instrument is the best way I could describe it when I was <laughs> listening to it. I'm going, how do I put this into words? But when you hear the chorus, you can, you can make up your mind for yourself if it's an alien string instrument. But um, <laughs> it's seriously... I don't think that's credited. It's not credited. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who played that. No. Um, it would have been Andrew. He's the he's the multi instrumentalist. <laughs> yeah, look, it's it's. I think it's a really straightforward track as well, and the lyrics actually don't make much sense as far as like I couldn't really. I, I believe it's about hanging on to your youth, and I don't think there's any super deep meaning to it. And I counted up how many words were in the, this entire song. Thirty six. <laughs> For the entire song. <laughs> so, but once again, picking your five, this song draws me in over and over. You know, even, yeah. the, even the guitar is, side is really basic. Is this a more recent find as well for you? Or well, no, I've known this song my entire life, but once again, I honestly don't think I've heard it for so long. And when, yeah. I, when I heard it again, it really rekindled the memories of my brother playing it back in the day. And I was like, man, I really yeah, love this cool. song. Okay, that was Stay Young. Hope you enjoyed it. So it brings us to ticks number two. Oh, man. This was uh, – this. it was easy. Sorry, I, I made it sound like I was going to say this was a hard one to get in, but no, this was an easy choice. I think it was similar with Led Zeppelin. I had four really bona fide locked-in ones. This one came to mind straight away. It's, it is, in essence, a very simple song, I think. You were talking about Stay Young being their second single. Well, I've gone for their very first single, One Up To There, from 1980s In Excess. <laughs> it's Just Keep Walking. Nice. This, this, song this has got just, attitude. Yes. It's it's like young men, angst. It's it's men on the road kind of thing. You know, when, when you're in your youth driving around in a car with some mates, it's nothing better. And that's the vibe I get from this song is it's kind of a – a road, not a road trip song, but a touring song. You know, they're driving around a lot. They go into different places. They're describing what they're seeing. The um, way you were talking, but, I was expect, expecting you to say they got like a cricket bat out the side and smashing <laughs> people's mailboxes. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking someone's legs. <laughs> Just keep walking. Yeah, whatever. I, I think this is the same. Once again, I'm going to talk about my kids a lot, but they love this song. Like my daughter Emily's just turned, or she's about eight and a half now. She will sing this from front to back. She just absolutely adores this song. And it's and I don't love it because my kids love it. My kids love it because I love it. So it's a song that I play often. It's 
it gets in, gets out, gets the job done mm. pretty quickly. It's a it's a pretty short song. It's got a, like I said, real rebellious energy, and I think this the tightness of the chorus is what really stands out. Out of all their singles, this one to me has the most scar feel to it. It there's parts yep. of it that really remind me of the band Madness, and uh, okay. when I was listening to it earlier this week and that mm. year baggy trousers came out by mm. madness just prior to it but madness all their other big hits sort of came out after this so you know once again madness probably ripped it off in excess this time definitely definitely yeah yeah, yeah definitely definitely <laughs> but no it is it is a great song and i think it's it this i know we we spoke about need you tonight being you know they're probably their most iconic but this song is a very iconic piece for that early 80s Australia. Is it though? This is what I was trying to work out is I feel like everyone's got to be a fan of In Excess in some capacity, so I don't know where to put people in the fan the fan realm, you Spectrum. know what I mean? Like, there's got, yeah, 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 because I would imagine even if you are a more than casual fan, this might not even be a song that you hear often. You know, is this a song that's being played on the radio? I don't really know, but yeah, it's a for an early single, it's it's got a lot of in excess. It's got a lot of attitude about it as well. That the way that he says "shove it, brother," just keep walking. Mm. That that little phrase there is just it's it's vocal just so perfectly. I think it's got it, you feel it. You feel that they mean what whatever they're saying, which I don't know exactly what they're saying. But, um, <laughs> but they're the saying lyric, The lyric money can buy almost anything, but anything's nothing when you're dead. Love that lyric. It sounds insightful. It's true. That drawl of that riff as well is very um, unique. You know, that down, 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 down. You know, it's kind of, it's dark in a way, but it's a, it's a still a very, it's got a real pop feel to it. Mm. You know, it, it's almost like this song was actually ahead of its time in their catalogue. It, it, it really doesn't almost fit on that first album because it is so yeah. polished. And I think it's, it's even at track nine or something on the album. Oh, really? That's bizarre. I think it might be, yeah. It's very strange. You, you would have thought like... In. Oh, no, sorry. I lie. It's three. Oh. It's at three. It's like a it's like a cricket team. You know, you put your best bat at three. You <laughs> That's an old album trope. I bet you they used to always have your best song at three. <laughs> Send in two solid songs to open the, open the album. Yeah. Then get you three. I was going to say, it sounded weird to have it at nine. Like anyone that's mm. heard that song knows it's got those genuine hooks that... If you were going to try and sell yeah. an album, you you want to sort of put that on yeah, show pretty quickly. 
Here we go. We're up to mm. numero uno. Number one. Okay, my number one comes from another one of their earlier albums, Shabu Shubar uh, from 1982. And it's another case that in Holsha's world, less is more. This is probably their most straight forward rock track on their catalogue. Uh, definitely out of the singles. It, it's very simple and it is called Don't Change. A lot yeah. of everyone out there yes. will know it. Um, if they don't know it by me stating the name of it, you'll know it two seconds into the song. It's probably the most played in excess pub song of all time. I think you'd find a lot of people call this the best their, or their favourite in excess song. Yeah. There is a shitload of people who, are, who agree with this. And that's the thing. Like, when we're doing these top fives, like, and Chippy mentioned it last week, we're not trying to be contrarian and picking something different. And, and off sometimes the hit is our favourite song and sometimes, you know, it's somewhere in the five and sometimes we just don't, you know, it's, it's not one of the top five songs that draws us in. But in this case, Don't Change really it's a, it's a song that i love hearing at the pub it's a, a song that i love hearing live in fact I, I've, I've been to a grinspoon concert once where they played it live and and it was as big as anything off grinspoon's catalog yeah. that night like it's an instant winner with aussies in particular i think and i mean even andrew farris said like it's a good pub band song you don't have to know yeah. too many chords to play it so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so be it. But I guess the, the question- lyrics are simple. You know, it's easy to sing. It's easy to kind of sing the chorus. It's Yeah, and yeah, it's, it it's an inspirational type of lyrics as well. I guess the question is why Why is it so good? And, and for me, like I was listening to it, I'm like, why do I love this so much? And really, for me, it's that initial keyboard, that real wafty keyboard riff that starts right yeah. from the beginning from Andrew Farris and it, and it it continues right through the song up and down. And one other little minor uh, quirk that I think is so important to the song is there's vocal harmonies from Kirk Pengelly throughout yeah. it. And so a lot of people probably just, when you hear it and sing it, you're just thinking, oh, it's Michael Hutchins. But when you hear it on your, your headphones, you can notice all these these little pieces of Kirk Pengelly. Sometimes it's in, in harmony with him, in time with him. Sometimes it'll, it'll sort of trail off just after. And... It sort of it takes his voice and almost makes it sound more like a plea. It's you know, please don't change a thing, sort of thing, because it's it's got this almost this reverb coming through of his voice underneath. Um, Man, I always thought that was just backup singers. Like I never knew that was Kurt Pengilly <laughs> doing that. I thought it was like a female vocalist or something like. No, that. no, no. It's the cool French mustache dude. So <laughs> yeah, the but- cool saxophone player. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that keyboard that you know oh, I can't can you do the keyboard bit at the beginning with your voice <laughs> like when you hear that it it does it, I don't know I always think you know and I hope it never happens but it, it can mm. be used for like an Australian tourism <laughs> sort of ad you know because you can I picture- say it could be used for a cyclone warning or something like that <laughs> But no, it's like, you know, you can picture like sweeping um, photography yeah. or video of like Airs Rock while that keyboard yeah. is playing.
before we started doing this, I already knew what your number one was. <laughs> like, yeah. I just knew straight away that it's Don't Change. <laughs> and I reckon as we go to my number one, you knew what my number one was. Yeah, I've got a good feeling. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> I have seen it, but I, yeah, I, I know from uh, yes. one of the weekends we had at Charters Towers at the Ashes. Yes, and, I remember this. And you cranked this song and I was like, yeah. yeah I, I remember you speaking pretty highly of it and, I mean, I love it too. It's All right, well, well, that high. song, we should announce what that song is. That song is from the album Listen Like Thieves and the song is what you need now interesting tidbit about this song uh, or this album listen like thieves was released on the 14th of october 1985 guess who was released on the 15th of october 1985 1985 this guy this guy oh, there you go. yeah 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 so i was i was what my mum needed you know what i mean like um <laughs> you know and this this song now, so it's 38 years old, and it, I reckon it's still fresh as hell, and I am 38 and I'm not fresh as hell anymore. <laughs> but but I, well, I, one thing I still work on for me is uh, I know my in excess and I know my music. This song pumps. This is just a funky, poppy, brilliant, great riff, saxophone. It just ticks all the in excess boxes that you need. The film clip is spectacular check that out as well because it was made with like a it's almost like a claymation animation animate it's cutting out pieces of paper then animating that and ripping them rip, ripping them up and then uh -huh. taking pictures it's it was revolutionary for its time and i think this was right yeah this opens that album listen like thieves it could almost close that album it just flows almost so perfectly into where they were going mm. with kick. This could almost fit on kick. I think it's yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's it's a it's so powerful. Like it's the one other song that I think has the same grunt through it as yeah. as Need You Tonight. I've said it a few times tonight already, but I reckon this song just defines. Like if you you said it at the very start, what song do you show to people? And I reckon this is it. I think Need You Tonight is a more well-known song, but I reckon this is just in excess 101. Would, it, would, it, would I be bold in saying that this is their best saxophone track in their whole catalogue? Yeah. This, the, yeah. The saxophone yeah. in this is epic. Like, I yeah. was listening to it earlier today, and I'm like, holy shit. The, the sax in this is like incredible it's incredible and yeah. and you know and it's used a lot more prominently in this song than you know some of the others they make it makes features here and there but here it's like a almost it's a, all the way a front runner with all the other instruments and over the last 24 hours like kirk pengelly's just moved up in my life <laughs> infinitely <laughs> backing hey, background hey. singer to my number one and and you know <laughs> he's really shining on both of our number ones um now, you've been telling me you're this editing guru on this. I want you to edit a little clip in to, to, to hear if we can. It's from the Wembley uh, concert that they did. I think it was around 1991 because it was after X. It was the tour for X. So they played at Wembley and they got paid this mammoth amount to, to do it. But what the – I think it was Chris Murphy was their manager. He said, no, we're not going to – we're basically going to film this. So they hired helicopters, this, that, the other. They filled, you know, filled Wembley. So it was a big deal for a band from Australia to sell out 
Wembley at the time. And Chris Murphy's idea was to film the whole thing. And they got off stage at the end of it, played to 90,000 people or whatever, and mm. they were like, oh, yeah, we must have made so much from this. And they hadn't actually made a cent because everything went into producing this film and they were kind of a bit <laughs> dirty at him at the time. They'd go, what do you mean we got no money from this? This is bullshit. But um, he said, this will be a legacy for you that you can kind of show your kids and this, that, the other. And the okay. the concert is fantastic. Is this, so, is this um, live, baby, live? Or is yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. It's, so it's that it's that concert there. But what I wanted to play is this was the last song of the regular set before the encore, and it it finishes just fantastically, I reckon, at, at the very end of the the song. But there's a part towards the end where he gets the crowd to sing um, back to him, um, oh, yeah. and it's just a really cool moment of ninety thousand people going back and forth. So put that in so we can hear that. Would you like that? Would that be good for you? Yeah, well, that's yeah. I love that little bit. I think it's such a cool little moment in um, in their history as well. So check it. I, if you're a fan of In Excess and you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's, it's we talked about our favorite number one songs, uh, starting album tracks. Guns in the Sky starts the concert, and it's really cool. It's that introducing uh, each band member with their instrument as you go. I really love that as well. But yeah, what you need is just epic, and I think it's. It's this funky little groovy bass driven, you know. But I keep saying bass driven, but Gary Gary Beers are just so good on this as well. And yeah, it's just got an infectious rhythm. It's it's just a cool song. Okay, yeah, that look, mate, that is an absolute banger. Can I do something a bit extra here? I want I want five extra songs if I can. A few little tracks just from a few of the other albums that 
um, you might want to listen to. From Elegantly Wasted, which is a, it's, you know, it's their last album. It's not overly popularised. There's a song in there called We Are Thrown Together. Give that a listen. On the album X, Faith in Each Other. That's a pretty cool song. Full Moon, Dirty Hearts. Uh, the song I've picked off that is Days of Rust. Uh, it's a pretty real rocky kind of track at the very start of that. From Listen Like Thieves, Three Sisters. This is an instrumental. It's got the sounds of the outback going through it as well. It's got kookaburras, this, that, the other. Really, wow. really cool song. And the last is from The Swing once again. And the song is Love Is, parentheses, What I Say. This song I can't get out of my head at the moment. It's just an absolute ripper. So I thought, yeah, there's an extra five tracks to go check out if you if yeah. you want to do a bit of a deeper dive on NXS. All right, everyone. Well, that is episode three, NXS. The, the coming few months leading up to Christmas is going to be really, really exciting. So make sure you subscribe and also join the Holsch Fidelity Facebook group because we will keep you updated on what's upcoming and what's been released. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the, the major podcast services. So I hope everyone loves it. And Can I say something as well? Like, I know I've been on two of three episodes, but I'm actually a fan of the podcast as well. I listened to the Weezer episode, which was uh, the, two, no, the second episode, and, um, yeah, it was awesome. And I'm not really a Weezer man, but I started listening. I got into the Blue Album. Such was Chippy's passion for it. And, yeah, I loved it. It was really, really cool. There you go. If Tick loves it, you know you're going to love it. So Yeah, and I wasn't even on it. Usually I just only love the things that I'm on. But, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> no well, thanks for listening everyone we'll be uh, back with another episode soon i hope you enjoyed our playlist see ya <laughs>